All right, everybody grab your Bibles real fast. Matthew chapter number one. Matthew chapter number one. Everybody grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a moment while the choir finds their place. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. I'd rather be here than any jail I know. Say amen. I'd rather be here than any hospital I know. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Uh, we are we are studying the New Testament. We're going on a journey this year. Probably maybe a little longer. It's probably going to take longer than that. But uh, but we're gonna we're gonna have a good understanding of the New Testament. For the last three weeks, for the last three weeks, uh, counting this week, uh, we have had introductions. Uh, first was an introduction to the New Testament. Last week was the Gospels, so the Gospels is in the front of the New Testament, so we had an introduction to the Gospels, and so today we're going to have another introduction, all right? Uh, We're going to have another introduction. It's the introduction to Matthew, because Matthew is the first book in the Gospels. So you see how that all fits? All right, we had to intro the New Testament. We had to intro the Gospels. Now we're going to intro uh, the book of Matthew, and and we're going to have some great, great stuff today. Uh, And I want to remind everybody, I know a ton of people probably forgot, but the outlines, uh, many have requested that we do outlines, and they are in the foyers. At the entrance of every foyer, there's an outline. How many actually remember to get one? Wow. All right. All right. Well, don't forget those. Those are going to be there every week. Uh, we're going to put those out there, and it might be too late to get one now, but, but uh, uh, make sure and get that so you can follow along, because when we're through with this, you're going you're, you're to have more information than most college graduates. So keep it. We're going through the effort to do it, so make sure, make an effort to keep it and keep it cataloged together, and I promise you, you'll get a lot of benefit out of it. And all God's people say it. Let's look in Matthew chapter number 1. And uh, we're going to read one verse, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go to chapter 2 and read two verses, all right? Chapter 1, verse 1. When you're there, say amen. amen. The book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All right, now look in chapter 2. Just flip over to chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king... Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born? What? Say it again. All right, let's all pray. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. God, I pray that your perfect will be done today. Lord, I pray that you'll move. We have a lot of information. And I pray that we'll glean and we'll learn, we'll study. Lord, I pray right now that you'll clear all of our minds. Clear all of our minds of frustrations of this past week. Lord, clear all of our minds of expectations of this coming week. Lord, let us just focus on you, focus on your word, focus on the truth. And I pray that your perfect will be done today. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. God will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Last week we learned in the Gospels... That, that each gospel was, ri- was written uh, to a specific group of people for a specific purpose. For instance, Matthew was written primarily to the Jewish people. It was written to the Jewish people as an audience, but it was written to the, to the point of showing them that Jesus was the king. Say it with me. Jesus was the king. 
Jesus was the king. Mark was written uh, 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 to a group of people to show that Jesus was the servant. He was the servant. There's no genealogy in Mark. It's just showing all the things that he did focused more on his works than it did his words. So he showed Jesus as the servant. But then Luke was the, 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 the humanity book. Luke was showing Jesus as the Son of Man. He was God, but he was all man. It showed his humanity. He was a doctor who was writing about uh, uh, the, the great drops of blood sweating and, and showing Jesus in his humanity. But then John, John is writing to show Jesus as the Son of God. Luke, the Son of Man, he was human, but John, the Son of God, he was deity. We see his humanity in Luke and his deity in John. He was God. What does it say in John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Later on in that chapter, it says, In the Word, capital W, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. What's he saying? Jesus was the Word, and Jesus was God. Everybody get that? Say amen. Well, let's focus on the king today. Now, I need to put up, now, now here's, I'm, I'm going to just give you kind of, kind of uh, some helps as we go through this study. Some of the things you're going to learn in the beginning, it, you're going to think is irrelevant. Why do I need to know that? It's not going to make sense right away, but later on in the study, you will learn why you learned it in the beginning. Say amen. In other words, when I say the New Testament did not begin till Mark or Matthew chapter 26, it did not begin to the night before the crucifixion when he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. You say, what's the big deal? Why does that matter? It matters. It matters. Now, it may not, you may not understand why right now, but just catalog it. Put this information in your head because later on you will need to know this stuff. And what's going to happen is there's going to be things in the Bible that really didn't make sense to you that's going to snap and become very clear because you know these things. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. So before we begin, if we can put the timeline. I, I didn't think I was going to use it, but I think I'm going to. If we can put the timeline. If this is a timeline, if this is a timeline of the Bible, okay? Most people say, well, the Old Testament ends in Malachi, and the New Testament begins at Matthew or at the birth of Christ. And they try to put the life of Christ, the main part of the life of Christ, into the New Testament. And you say, what's the meaning? How many of y'all know God did stuff different in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament? How many of y'all know we don't, we don't sacrifice goats anymore? How many of y'all know we don't stone our rebellious children anymore? Some things could be brought back. Hey, Amen. I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God did things different in different times. We, we use the word dispensation. Dispensation. It was a different dispensation. God addressed, he did things different with the people. The people did in the Old Testament than he does the New Testament. So we got to understand that the, the New Testament begins at Matthew 26, 28, or pre, really, it begins after the cross. And I'll explain that all later. So you got to understand through the time of Jesus' life on this earth, they were still in the Old Testament. You say, preacher, it will make sense later. It will make sense later. 
You see, this is why Jesus, when he healed the lepers, he said, go to the temple and do what Moses, Moses was in the Old Testament. Go follow the law. Do what Moses told you to do, okay? So that'll all make sense later. Now, here's what I want you to get, Matthew 1, 1. He says, this is the book. This is the book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ. Come on, y'all, get with me now. Now, don't make me get on to you again like last week. Wake up now, wake up. The book of the generation of? Now watch this. The son of David, the son of Abraham. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Now why does he use both of those? He goes back to Abraham to show he's addressing the Jews. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. Okay? So that makes Jesus, in his genealogy, that makes Jesus a Jew. For all you racists in here. Yeah, I said it. You can't love Jesus and hate Jews. He was a Jew, full-blooded Jew. So he's writing to the Jewish people. He is a Jew, okay? But they said also the son of David. Now, why did he put that? So you could see, so you could see he was in the lineage of David, so he has a right to the throne. He is a king. Not only is he a Jew, but he is a king. He's in the lineage and line of David, the line of the kings. So that means he's a Jewish. Y'all with me? Now, now contrast the difference in Luke. Now, now John is drawing the picture of the king. Luke is drawing the picture of a human. Humanity, human. Where does, where does Luke trace his genealogy back to? Adam, the first man. Do y'all see how this works? Now watch. In order to give you an introduction to Matthew, what did we state earlier? That the major portion of Matthew is still in the Old Testament. So guess what we got to do? We've got to go to the Old Testament to get a true, complete understanding of what Matthew was writing and why he was writing. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Now, the theme of Matthew is the king and his kingdom. He is showing and writing to the Jews that Jesus was the one you've been waiting for. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now look at your notes. Look at your notes. First we have the king. Now, here's what I've done. I've been cramming, I mean cramming, cramming, cramming information, and I want to give it all to you today, (laughs) but we don't have time. So I kept breaking it down and breaking it down and breaking it down, so we're going to look at the, uh, just as an intro, the king a little bit and the kingdom a a little bit, and then kind of elaborate on the kingdom, and then we'll we'll, we'll keep going, and just as we have time, we'll just keep getting more and more and more. How many of y'all with me say amen? amen? Now watch, look at your notes. Under the king. Jesus, Israel's Messiah, came first to the nation for who he was promised. He was promised the king, and as the king, the gospel of Matthew was written to the Jewish people to establish that fact beyond any doubt. Now keep that in mind. The gospel of Matthew was written to the Jewish people to establish the fact that Jesus was their promised Messiah and king without any doubt. So as we study this book, so as we study this book, Keep in mind, it is Jewish in content. In other words, we will be reading someone else's mail 
it is written for us, but it's not written to us. Okay, keep that in mind. All right, now look at the kingdom. The kingdom. Matthew is preeminently the gospel of the kingdom. We shall expect to see Jesus throughout this gospel as the king of Israel promised by the prophets. The book is Jewish throughout and is incomprehensible unless this point is carefully noted. To understand the book, we must remember all the time that Jesus is here presented, not primarily as the Savior, but as a king. You will search in vain in Matthew for a statement of the gospel of the grace of God. John will tell you about that later on. But Matthew's work is to tell about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Now, now, now just put this in your memory brain. There's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And we'll get to that later on. The kingdom of heaven in reference here is the physical kingdom on this earth. It is the physical kingdom on this earth, the nation of Israel, the land of Israel, that physical kingdom. The kingdom of God is his rule in your heart, is a spiritual kingdom. Are y'all with me? And we'll elaborate on that a whole lot more later. Never elsewhere than in Matthew is the phrase, the kingdom of heaven found anywhere in the Bible. It is properly found here, however, because Matthew is the dispensational gospel. Remember what I said about dispensation? It's the way God operated with his people. He did it differently in the Old Testament than the... And, and Matthew is very, very dispensational, okay? He sets forth a distinction between the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church of God. Now look at these, look at these, these, these percentages. This blew my mind. <clears throat> one quarter of the Bible, one quarter of the Bible is in prophetic form. In other words, one quarter of the Bible has to do with stuff that's going to happen in the future. Does that make sense? One quarter of the Bible has to do with prophecy. What's going to happen in the future? Now watch this. Watch this. This is staggering. Five-sixths of the Bible, almost the entire Bible, five-sixths of the Bible is addressed to one nation, and that would be the nation of Israel. Now think about that. Now I'm, I'm going to go get, give you a little hint. This is why so much false doctrine abounds. It's because a lot of people try to apply all of the Bible to the church. When all of the Bible is not to the church, it's to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is not the church. And the church is not the new Israel. They are two separately distinct. Are y'all with me? And, and so you got to get this. You got to understand. Listen, Lewis Sperry Schaefer. He, has, he said, it has been said, all scripture is for us, but all scripture is not to us. It all bears a message to us, but it's not all our rule of life. It will not do for Gentile believers to read themselves into the great portion of the Bible, which treats distinctly of a chosen nation, still a separate people in the earth, under the special unbroken purpose of God and exactly where God intended them to be at this very hour. And we'll, we'll explain that here in a little bit. In other words, don't try to claim the promises given to Israel. And also, don't try to claim the curses given to Israel. Now, I don't ever see that. 
I always see modern day Christians trying to claim the promises that God only promised to Israel, but they never claim the curses. Are y'all with me? You can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. We got to keep the Israel, Israel, and the church, the church. Okay? Now, Matthew is about the king and his kingdom. It is primarily, the majority of Matthew is still in the Old Testament. Y'all follow me? Great. Amen. Now, let's talk about the Old Testament and let's talk about the kingdom. Why, why did the wise men, why did the wise men come to, come to Jerusalem and by the way, it's, it's, I know it's not a coincidence. I know it's not a coincidence. God let this happen. I was on my way to work this morning. Work. <laughs> this is not work, people. I get to do this. Amen. I was on my way to church this morning, and Oliver B. Green was on the radio preaching. And he was talking about the wise men. Now, we have this false idea in our head that the wise men were three of them. You know why? Because every Christmas pageant, they, they, there's three of them, and they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we think that, now there was, he said he believed there was 300, possibly more. He said three wise men wouldn't have caused a stir in Jerusalem. But you let 300 come looking for the same king? And where did they come? From the east. They come from the same place that Daniel was kept in captivity. They came from the same place that many of the prophets of the Old Testament writ, wrote most of their prophecies concerning the coming king. Y'all get this? They knew about it. And they come and they showed up to Jerusalem and said, where's he at? Where is the king? We're come to seek the king. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? So let's go to the Old Testament and find out what they knew. Okay, first, we got to start where the promise came. Number one, we see the kingdom promise or covenant. And this is called the Davidic covenant or the covenant of David. Okay, David is coming to the end of his life. He's wanting to build God a house. He's wanting to build God a temple. But he has too much blood on his hands and God won't let him. Y'all with me? We know he lets Solomon, his son, do that and accomplish that task. But he said, I'm going to build you a house. That's what God is telling David through the prophet Nathan. And he said, this is what I'm going to promise you. And this is, this is the Davidic covenant or the promise God made to David. Look in 1 Chronicles 17, 11. You can also find it in 2 Samuel 7, 13. It says, and it shall come to pass when thy days be expired, talking about David, when you die, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will, <coughs> excuse me, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee. Talking about Saul. But I will settle him in mine house, and in my kingdom, how long? And his throne shall be established for how long? Evermore. Psalm 89, 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. What is he saying to David through the prophet Nathan? He said, you will have a throne that's established forever. Somebody from your family, somebody through your loins, somebody through your bloodline will be a ruler and he will rule forever. Now, now, what a promise. How many of y'all know God always keeps his promises? 
Okay, that is where the kingdom was promised. The kingdom. Israel has a promise that they will have a kingdom, and not just any kingdom, not just a place, but it will be the kingdom. Now, you got to understand, when Solomon was the king right after David, they come from all over the world to check it out because it was incredible, probably the greatest nation on the planet. But we know that's not there now, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But at that time, it was the greatest nation on the planet because they followed the Lord's will. They, they were obedient unto God. They were holy and righteous, and God poured his blessings upon them. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, everybody with me? Everybody with me? Stay with me? Stay with me? Guess what? It's going to be the greatest nation on the planet again. You know why? Because God promised it. God made a covenant with David that there would be a kingdom and there would be a king in the line of David that would rule forever. Now we know it wasn't, it wasn't Solomon's son or his grandson. We know right now they don't have a kingdom. Are y'all with me? And they don't have a king either. So what happened? Let's get to that. Secondly, secondly. Now, how many of y'all can see where God promised Israel a kingdom and a king to rule over that kingdom, right? He would be of the house of David, right? What did it say in Matthew 1, 1? This is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. He's already starting to fulfill prophecy, amen? All right, you'll get excited in a minute. It's going to take y'all a little bit, but y'all catch on. So, we see the kingdom, number one, the kingdom, come on everybody, get with me, the kingdom promise. promise. Number two, I want you to see the kingdom prophesied. The kingdom prophesied. Now, this is very significant. This is very significant. Listen to Mr. Schaefer again. He said, it is significant, it is significant that the Old Testament prophets spoke in the main in one comparatively brief period. This was the time in which Israel was approaching and entering her national dispersion under the chastening hand of God. Some of the prophets spoke before the exile, some spoke during the exile, while others spoke after a remnant, but not the nation, had returned to the land. Now let me, let me, let me get you up to where we're talking about. So we see he promises David a kingdom. And so the nation of Israel said, hey, we're going to have a kingdom forever. We're going to have a king from from the lineage of David forever. This is great. This is wonderful. But how many of y'all know they messed up? Massively. They kept being disobedient. They kept being rebellious. They kept uh, following false gods. Ahab, the wicked, most wicked out of all. I mean, it's just ungodly. Wickedness. And God said, I ain't putting up with this. And he, he threatened to chasten them. That's what all the prophets are. If you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, the main body of prophets in the Old Testament, it was at the point in the time that Israel was very wicked, very disobedient, very rebellious against God. So some of the prophets are warning them, hey, you're going to get a whooping. How many of y'all have heard that before? From your parent. You're acting ignorant. And they say, hey, better watch it. That's what some of the prophets are. They are warning them. If you don't straighten up, you're going into exile. In other words, somebody's going to take you into captivity away from this land. And we know, we know that happened, right? They went into Babylonian captivity. So some of the prophets, some of the prophets are saying, if you don't watch it, you're going to, you're going to get punished. You're going to, God's going to chasten you. God's going to take you into captivity. Well, 
That happened. They went into captivity. Now some of the prophets are riding in captivity. Now then after that, some of them are riding in the remnant when just some of them, a handful, got to come back. But what are they saying? What are they saying? All three groups, the pre-exile, the exile, and the post-exile problem, they're all saying, hey, God's going to bring us back again. Some of them were, even the, even the pre-exile prophets were saying, God's going to punish you. But one day, he's going to bring us back again. One day, his kingdom is going to be restored. One day, he's going to send a deliverer. One day, he's going to send, are y'all with me? Y'all following how this works? And they're prophesying and they're saying, don't be discouraged. I know we're in a bad way now. I know we're in captivity now, but there's a deliverer that's coming. There's a deliverer that's on his way. God has not forgotten his people. He will revive us again. Are y'all with me? So this is their hope. This is their hope from the time they were taken into captivity and, and, and the time that they technically lost the kingdom. And they were dispersed into every nation because of their sin and their disobedience. You know what they're doing? They're hoping for the king. They're looking for the king. Why? Because all their prophets told them God would forgive them and bring them back and restore a kingdom. Does that make sense? Watch. Let's look at what some of the prophets were saying about it. This is what the prophets were saying about it. They described the kingdom. This kingdom that God was going to restore would be, first, a theocratic. Write that word down. Theocratic. What does that mean? It means ruled by God. It means a theocracy. It would be ruled by God. What did he say? You shall bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Now, we've had some poor leaders in the world, and we've had some great leaders in the world, but we've never had a God leader. But we're going to. It's going to be a theatic, theocratic kingdom. Look what it says. Isaiah prophesied. Watch this. This is so good. Isaiah prophesied, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Watch what Matthew. Matthew 1, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. You see that word over and over and over and over and over again in Matthew. Matthew. Why? Matthew's proving that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Watch this. This was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name, which is being interpreted is? Y'all with me? God's with us. It's theocratic. Watch this. B. The kingdom will be heavenly in character. The kingdom will be heavenly in character. Now there was probably no kingdom on this earth like Solomon's. Even his servants loved him. Read it. Go back and read it. It's there. His servants loved him. I've never seen, I've never seen a king, dictator, president where all of his people loved him. But Solomon did. But there, Solomon still, the Bible says there's a greater than Solomon here. And it's Jesus. Now let's describe his kingdom. The Bible says in Isaiah, Isaiah is describing, he's prophesying to the nation. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall judge after the sight of his eyes 
neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness, say it with me, but with shall he judge the poor. How many of y'all know the poor are, are oppressed today? But he's going to judge by righteousness. And reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Can you imagine living in a world with no wickedness? Where God, justice is, is served quickly. Watch this. And righteousness shall be the girl of his loins, and faithfulness the girl of his reins. Now watch this. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. That means a goat. And the, you let a, a leopard and a, and a goat get in the same pen and see what happens today. You see, God's going to change all that atmosphere in his kingdom. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. In other words, during the kingdom, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a time where animals are not going to chase each other and kill each other. A lion is going to eat grass just like a cow. Whoop. The sucking child, that means a young child, baby child, shall play on the hole of the asp. That's a poisonous creature. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. That's a poisonous creature. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, talking about Jesus, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be. How many of y'all know that sounds heavenly? No rats anymore. No roaches anymore. No fear of snakes anymore. Nothing's going to be chasing anybody. It's not, it's not going to be a dog-eat-dog world anymore. It's not going to be the survival of the fittest anymore. Can you imagine? The prophet's saying it's going to be heavenly. But he also says this. <clears throat> he also says this. He shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall, watch what they're going to do. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war. In other words, all the tanks are going to turn into uh, 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 cornfield plowers. All the technology going into developing instruments of destruction are going to turn into instruments of, of, of farming and growing food. Instead of fighting one another, people are going to be feeding one another. Whoop! Hosea 2.18 And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them to lie down. How many of y'all think it would, be, it would feel like heaven to be able to lay your head down and know everything's going to be all right? All right. The prophet said it was going to be a heavenly kingdom. But then, now this is on earth, guys. This is on earth. Okay, the prophet said, the prophet said, the kingdom will be in the earth Centered in Jerusalem. That is a key, 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 key. Because too many 
Well-meaning preachers have spiritualized all this. It's all spiritual. It's just a, it's just a, a, a spiritual kingdom. It's a, no, Jesus in flesh is going to sit on a real throne in a real city called Jerusalem and rule as a king on this earth. Are y'all with me? It's called the kingdom of heaven. All right, now, the kingdom will be in earth centered in Jerusalem. Let me give you the prophets, Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. So what is the prophet saying? There is going to be a king. He is going to have a kingdom. It will be on this now, why is that important? Why is that important? So you will know what the people were looking for when Jesus arrived. They're looking for a promised king, a promised kingdom here on this. Okay, Isaiah 2, verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go into the mountains of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways. And he will, he will walk in this path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What does that mean? Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the world. Where the king is. His, his throne, his headquarters will be in Jerusalem. And what does that say? All the nations of the world are going to come to talk to him to get wisdom. That's going to happen. That is what Israel was looking for. Because that's what the prophets told them was going to happen. Are y'all with me? Watch this. There's several other verses. There's several other verses that could go with this. But I got to hurry. I'm out of time. The kingdom will be established by the returning king. That's D. The kingdom will be established by the returning king. Deuteronomy 30 verse 3. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion on thee and will return and gather thee from all nations whether the Lord thy God has scattered thee. How many of y'all know the nation of Israel has been scattered? But guess what's happening? They're coming home. I'll get to that in later. Zechariah 2.10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come and I dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. I will dwell, think about that. I will dwell in the midst of thee. The Lord will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So let, 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 before we hit number three, let's, let's catch this up. Okay? Okay. In the Old Testament, God promised David a kingdom that would last forever. And, and somebody from his line, his lineage... His children would sit on that throne forever. Has everybody got that? Does everybody see that covenant? The Davidic covenant, the promise from God to David. Has everybody got that? Okay, how many of y'all know God doesn't break his promises? 
Okay, so after that, after that, Israel started messing up. Israel started rebelling. Israel started sinning. How many of y'all know God don't put up with junk? Yes, that's right. So God had to chasten Israel. God had to chasten their rebellion and their sin and their wickedness. And he scattered them. But guess what? He sent prophets. He sent prophets before it, during it, and after the scattering to tell them, hey, before, get your act straight or else. But even if or else, even if you mess up and God has to punish you, he will bring you during the exile. Listen, lift up your chin, children. I know it's bad right now, but soon and very soon, God is going to. Y'all with me? After the exile, I know it's not what it used to be. That's what the prophets are saying. I know the kingdom is not what it used to be, but it's not what it's going to be. So number three, write this down. The kingdom promised, one, the kingdom prophesied to all the prophets in the Old Testament. It's saying, there's coming a kingdom, there's coming a king, there's coming a kingdom, there's coming a king. Number three, number three, the kingdom postponed. And by the way, there's going to be another postponement that we'll get to. Watch what it says in Isaiah 54, 7. Isaiah 54, 7. Watch what it says. For a small moment, say that with me, for a have I forsaken thee? But with great mercies I will gather thee. In a little wrath I, I hid my face from thee for a But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. What's the point? Because of their great sin and rebellion, God says... And he has hid his face. He has hid his face from Israel for about 3,500 years now. Listen. They have been scattered. And by the way, from that point to today, they have been chastened over and over and over again. They have found no rest for their feet. You say, but they're in their land now. Still, they have to live in fear all the time. Because they disobeyed and rebelled against God. So God has postponed that kingdom. And so throughout the Old Testament, throughout the prophets, up until the time of Jesus, guess what? Guess what? After the the captivity... The prophets were saying, hey, he's sending a king. Hey, he's going to restore the kingdom. Hey, Israel's going to have a kingdom again. It's going to be heavenly. It's going to be theocratic. It's going to be ruled by God. It's going to have a king from the house of David. All the prophets through the Old Testament are saying, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Do you see now what the Jewish people were looking for? Now guess now now that brings us to Matthew. Yeah. This is the book 
of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, he's a Jew. David, he's a king. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Where is he that is born? Come on, people. Let me go over here. Where is he that is born? You know what? You know what? What the angel told Mary? The king is here. The king has arrived. It's time to restore. Come on. We're out of time. Good night. See what I'm saying? We don't have time. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God always keeps his promises. Even in chastening. You don't know what that word is? Even when you're being punished, God always shows mercy. And God is saying by the arrival of the king, I'm a merciful God that always keeps my promises. Now, how many of y'all have been watching a movie and then those, those three words come across that makes you want to throw the TV out in the yard? Come on. Next week. Next week, we'll start right there. And we'll talk about the kingdom of heaven. That literal, that literal kingdom that the prophets promised is going to be presented to the nation of Israel. Next week. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you.